Welcome, Political Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast. And with me today, I have the Nate Hucks. Mr. Hucks on the is the owner of Freedom Pharmacy, Pharmacy. And Pharmacy. Here's in your host, in Eric Geyer. Area, if you will. And a graduate from The Ohio State University, so go Buckeyes. And welcome to the podcast, Nate. Yeah, thanks a lot, Eric. Pleasure hey. being here. Yeah, and hey, the pleasure's all mine because kind of like a previous guest, Kyle McCormick, you've also changed the way that pharmacy is looking at pricing some of these things by opening a, a new pharmacy model with Freedom Pharmacy. Some people might be familiar with it. You've gotten a lot of press recently in the Columbus Dispatch and the Capital Journal and things like that. But it's also pretty – it's kind of crazy because your story is similar but also unique to what a pharmacist have out there. So can you give a little background into what led you opening up Freedom Pharmacy? Yeah, sure. So I started working as an intern in 1994. So you could call me a veteran at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that's safe Um, to say. Yeah, I was an intern at Kroger from 94 to 97. And I graduated in 1997 and became a staff pharmacist at Kroger. In 1998, I was promoted to pharmacy manager. And then in the year 2000, I was promoted to what they call a pharmacy coordinator position, which is a supervisory position in Kroger. Held that position until 2002, at which time I decided middle management wasn't, I wasn't cut out for that. I missed the patients too much. Having nights and weekends off were great, but at the end of the day, I wasn't professionally fulfilled. So I decided I was gonna step back into the pharmacy. At that time, I decided I would weigh my options. There was a huge shortage of pharmacists at the time and checked out a few different places that I could go. Ended up landing at Walgreens in 2002, was a staff pharmacist there until 2003. Then I became a pharmacy manager in 2003, held that position until the end of 2015 when I decided to leave the corporate setting and um, buy a pharmacy that was about a half mile from my house. It was called, it's still called Pickerington Pharmacy. Purchased that from an owner that had owned it um, since 1990. It just worked out really well that he was ready kind of to step back and I was ready for a new challenge in my life and ended up uh, purchasing Pickerington Pharmacy. I've owned that since uh, January of 2016. And then we just opened Freedom Pharmacy in December of 2020. Professionally, the best thing I ever did was move into the independent space. Really, why was that? Is it just because you have complete ownership of it, you can kind of do what you want, or what's the reason for that? So sure, yeah. When I first came on to be a pharmacist at Kroger, pretty much pharmacy was left alone. So you had, you know, obviously we're in a grocery store and basically pharmacy was, I don't want to say ignored, but (laughs) we were were pretty much left alone. Um, You know, keep us legal, keep us profitable, make the customers happy. And basically if you could do those three things, you were left alone. You know, over time things change. You start to feel a little bit differently sometimes as as you start to learn more about the company you're working for. Great people at Kroger uh, had wonderful relationships there with tons of people still stay in touch with a lot of those guys. But at the end of the day, I decided, you know, look, it doesn't seem like this pharmacy is for pharmacy or this company is for pharmacy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so that's what made me like really check out Walgreens the CEO was a pharmacist. 
when I came into Walgreens, my boss was a pharmacist. So pretty much everybody between me and the CEO was a pharmacist. And that had a ton of appeal to me. And to, to be honest with you, it was uh, very refreshing making that move. But then by the time I left Walgreens, you know, it had become a situation where my direct boss was not a pharmacist. The CEO was no longer a pharmacist. And pretty much anyone in between us that was a pharmacist, I had no contact with. So I became very disenchanted by some of the business decisions that were being made. I didn't feel like we were focusing on the patient. Every time they would ask me, what, what can we do better? What? And I said, stop focusing on us and focus on the patient. I said that over and over and over. Yeah. And it just, and it just kept getting worse. Um, the metrics kept getting harder. The quotas kept getting larger. The tech help kept getting less and less. And at some point I decided, you know, I, I came home one day and I told my wife, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing one year from today, but I'm not going to be doing this. I thought about leaving the profession. I, I you know, I, I, I just enjoy the patient connections and the relationships so much. And I didn't feel like I was able to get those in the situation I was in. So applied a few different places, thought about doing some different things, thought about leaving pharmacy altogether. And then finally, you know, I knew a Pickerington pharmacy, like I said, it's a half mile from our house. I had been in there one time before in my life. And I called the owner and I said, hey, I want to sit down and talk about independent pharmacy. It's something I'm starting to think about. I just want to talk about it and, and get some perspective about it. And by the end of that lunch conversation, I knew I was going to be an independent pharmacist. I didn't know for sure if I was going to be able to buy Pickerington Pharmacy, <laughs> but I knew that's what I was going to do. You know, nine months later, I ended up buying Pickerington Pharmacy. Again, I can control what's important at Pickerington Pharmacy. I can control the fact that a patient relationship is the most important thing that we have at Pickerington Pharmacy. Um, and that's the way we, we run things at Pickerington Pharmacy. So professionally, it was the greatest thing I ever did for myself. I, I go home at night, I have a clear conscience. I feel like I made a difference. I'm happy with myself, even if I'm not making as much money or, or some of those other benefits that go along with working for a, a large corporation. For me personally, it was never about the money it's about happiness. So that's, that's why independent pharmacy for me is the right choice. Yeah. And you know, the, the weird thing too with yours is like, you know, we said you opened up Pickerington, but you also followed the similar path to a lot of people. And again, bought a pharmacy in a time where really they were shrinking and you've still maintained. In fact, you opened a second one. That's the one we referred to earlier as freedom pharmacy. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's right next to Pickerington, right? Right. So we're in a medical complex. Uh, Pickerington Medical Complex is the name of the building. You know, there was a doctor's, there's still a doctor's office in there. Um, there was an OBGYN office in there. And then there was Pickerington Pharmacy, also a, uh, a laboratory by Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel runs a laboratory in that building as well. So there's four suites there. When I had the concept of Freedom Pharmacy in my mind, and I, I knew that's what I wanted to do, one of the things that I thought would be very beneficial, um, well, first of all, I wasn't sure if I was going to try to maintain Pickerington Pharmacy because I, 
I knew that with the reimbursement shrinking and the access to patients shrinking, I didn't know how viable Pickerington Pharmacy would be in the future. So my initial thought was I was going to just close Pickerington Pharmacy and reopen this Freedom Pharmacy. But then I thought about the patients that have been going there for 30 years. Um, a vast majority of those are on Medicare. And more than likely, those patients wouldn't benefit from me opening or closing Pickerington Pharmacy and opening Freedom Pharmacy. So I made a decision, I'm just going to open a second pharmacy and try to diversify sort of my revenue streams for the business. So I don't have all my eggs in one basket. So that's that's the reason why we ended up opening two pharmacies. I, I, at first, I was really convinced that Freedom Pharmacy was the only way to go, and, and that's what we would do. But with those factors involved, I decided, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and keep Pickerington Pharmacy as is, and if we can help people in that world, that's great. But I'm gonna create a new world called Freedom Pharmacy outside of this corporately controlled world that that Pickerington lives in. It's been great. Like it's it's been well received. A vast majority of our patients are new patients. We did have a few people, but it made sense that we move them from Pickerington to Freedom. But um, at the end of the day, most of the people that we have are new patients to us, and we're growing every day. So, so it's been good. I mean, it's it's been exciting. Is there every like an awkward moment where you know I own this model pharmacy and I'm going to say, hey, you walk over here to this one and get it, but I also own this model pharmacy and you walk over here. Is that kind of weird having a dynamic like that since you're almost like referring to your yourself own so that you know you can take care of the patient for what's the best way for them? It's not awkward in my opinion at all. As a matter of fact, it's great um, <laughs> because it, it's really for the patient. I mean, that's why we're doing it. Both pharmacies are almost equally profitable at the end of the day. Oh, wow. When you talk about a per, per prescription profit. If you, I, I don't think it's fair that some people actually get punished by using their insurance. Um, they're the ones that are basically putting the bill for everyone. So re really, the Freedom Pharmacy patient is sort of a niche pharmacy patient. Typically, you're looking at people that are working for small businesses or they own small businesses or medium-sized businesses where they're really their insurance choices are very limited. They're very expensive. You know, the way, the way the PBM world looks at it is they don't have enough lives for us to give them a, a decent plan. So we're going to give them a $8,000 deductible plan that, you know, they're probably never going to meet that $8,000 deductible. And then there's some people that just choose not to buy insurance at all. And those are the people we can help as well. So it's a, it's a niche, right? Like we don't accept any insurance at Freedom Pharmacy. We do compounding there. We do self-pay prescriptions. And in some cases, you know, they may be on an expensive medicine and it might make sense for them to source that somewhere else other than Freedom Pharmacy. But we can still take care of 90% of what they're on, even if they're on one expensive medication. Get it through mail order. I mean, I'll put it in the system that you're on that medication. I can still do my EURs. I can still counsel you about that. But fill all of those generic prescriptions that, that you're getting robbed on, really, if you process it through the system, you just get those filled at Freedom Pharmacy and we can take care of you. 
Yeah, so it's it's kind of cool to me how, you know, obviously kind of looking at the full spectrum of your career here, you went from being a kind of a pharmacist who everyone knows at the grocery store to being middle management to then going to what you thought was more of a, like a, a true home of pharmacy, if you will, and then stepping away and just saying, now I'm going to do all ends of it, and then I'm going to split the business up a little bit because at the end of the day, I'm the same profitability, but I take care of my patients. It's kind of like a complete mind change, the way people think of doing business now. We often think of business as like a zero sum, but you really made where like, you know, two plus two is five for everybody and not just, you know, two for me and two for you. Is that is that kind of like the way you're seeing this then? A hundred percent. I mean, listen, I want to make a living taking care of people. I don't want to be a multi-gazillionaire. I, I don't crave a bunch of money. I need to make a living. I want to put my kids through college. I, I want to do all of those things. I, but I live in a modest house. We have modest vehicles. That's plenty for me. I mean, there's always food on the table. For me, it's about feeling like you've made a difference in somebody's life that day. And that happens every day at Pickerington and at Freedom Pharmacy. So that's what it's all about to me. Um, that's why I got into this in the first place. Professional fulfillment and um, personal fulfillment. You can check those boxes right now for me. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, Alex Barker from the Happy Farm D obviously works with people to kind of like help find jobs in pharmacy and some motivational things. And he's he's just an awesome person. But he has just put out a survey on like LinkedIn, which again, not totally unofficial, but he has a lot of pharmacy connections. And I think it was the number one thing was like job satisfaction and contentment with your with what you do was like the number one thing people wanted in their job more so than like being respected than getting paid a lot having time off whatever it was like that was the number one thing they wanted they basically wanted to be able to be happy and content with what they do at work and so many times you know as people who are working for some of these other corporations are just getting bludgeoned to death with metrics that honest to god don't mean a whole lot and so that's kind of, you know, goes back to happy employees means happy patients. If you're not happy, it's really hard to kind of make someone else happy because you're not there yourself. And so what you really related to me there was by doing this model and kind of having these options for people, you feel better and then you can take better care of them and then they're happy. So then again, that's just like the win all around, which is the complete disconnect we're seeing in a lot of places right now with some surveys, like in our home state of Ohio, that showed just how unhappy so many pharmacists were in the profession. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And you touched on a really important point there, Eric. And I don't want to forget to mention that the staff at Pickerington and Freedom Pharmacies, I mean, they share my vision. They share my passion. They are very unique, hardworking, just good people. I couldn't do it without them and their support. Like you say, if your employees are happy, your customers are going to be happy. It just makes for such a much better environment than than the alternative. So, yeah, and obviously, yeah. obviously, if, if you're in middle management, you have to be happy too to make your employees below you happy, and it, which kind of spills back to early in your career. But once again, the full circle there, right? You, somewhere you got to start it, and that way you can take care of people. And since since you can control it by owning two independent pharmacies, you're really the person who who drives that, and then your employees help you do that and help you kind of get the reward out of that. So I think that's. That's really awesome, and that's a great reason to own two pharmacies with a complete different model, even though you know they're totally different ways of pricing and different hassles and all the extra licensure and all the other stuff you have to put up with to own two pharmacies as opposed to one. So I think that's a, that's a pretty cool and unique twist that you got going on down there in Pickerington. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, another thing that we were kind of alluded to earlier was you had a kind of a thing in the Columbus Dispatch with former guest of the podcast, uh, Kyle from Blueberry Pharmacy, and I 
think it was a pretty cool quote. You had in here saying that we need pharmacists back in control of pharmacy, so we're doing the right things. Now we've got a bunch of people in charge of our profession who don't give a hoot about patient, a patient doing well or the safety of a patient. All they care about is getting as much money out of the system as, po- as they possibly can. I thought that was a great quote because also kind of when you switch careers a couple of times there, both of the times, or at least the first time or the second time I should say was because you said you didn't have any pharmacist above you any longer and you feel like they didn't care about the profession. And I think that's one thing that's key to how we've seen pharmacy change from one of the most satisfying jobs that people have to now, I don't know if it's the least, but it's, it's definitely fallen quite a bit from where it was. And then that's spilling into the patients and everything else is that it seems like there's not there's more MBAs than PharmDs or RPHs above us. And is that kind of what you think might be contributing to some of this? Oh, 100%. You know, I was I think I was maybe a little naive when I made the jump to independent pharmacy. That's understandable. I, I don't, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think a lot of people are still somewhat naive about the economics of pharmacy. I, I think I was very indifferent to the economics of pharmacy. So I don't want to like bludgeon the large corporations too much. Yeah, that's not our point here. Because I think there's good people working there. I think they're needing to do the right things. But the economics of pharmacy have changed so much over the last 15 years that I don't know that you can do the right thing all the time and survive in a corporate environment. Again, I've had so many people that I respect and I've worked with that weren't pharmacists and they're, they're great people and they did their best to, to bridge the gap. But at the end of the day, their interest is extracting as much money as they possibly can out of their situation. And that's what a business is a lot of times. So I'm not giving them a full pass, but I'm much more educated now owning my own pharmacy and seeing all the different aspects of the economics of pharmacy that maybe I was a little bit too harsh in my judgment at the time. Doesn't mean I didn't do the right thing. I still feel like I did the right thing, but I don't necessarily put as much blame on the corporations as I used to. I think we all need to, as pharmacists, learn a lot more about the economics behind pharmacy and how how we get paid for what we do right now. Everything is about buying low and selling high. I think this is a terrible thing for our profession. I think that we should be paid for the services or you know, at, at least the, the relationships that we have with our patients that make meaningful impacts in their lives. That's really what we should be making our money doing. And that's why Freedom Pharmacy is a cost plus pharmacy. So we simply buy the drugs at whatever cost they are. We pass that on to the patient. We then add a professional fee and it's all transparent. You know, we tell people this is the price and here's how we came up with the price. And you know what? 100% of the people that use Freedom Pharmacy love it. They think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's refreshing, you know? It, it, I, I, often, I often wonder how is it that getting your car fixed is more transparent than getting yourself fixed. Why, why is that the case? Because so, when you go to the mechanic and you turn in your car and they say, you know, parts are $60 and labor is 180. I mean, it's acceptable. You understand that you're not smart enough to put the parts in your car, right? Like I don't understand how we as pharmacists have decided that we're going to try to buy low and sell high. And that's how we're going to make a living. 
And when I say that, I mean buy the product at a low cost and then try to get as much reimbursement out of that product as we possibly can through billing or charging, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I think of some of your chemo drugs like a matnib that are, I think, like $10 for a month supply for 400 milligrams. But then when you turn around and sell it, the AWP on it, it's like $11,500. And you're like, what? This right. is for someone who has cancer. Like, what the hell is wrong with this picture? Right. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, like really? how can we sleep at night doing it that way? Right. Yeah. So, so I think as pharmacists were back in control and we were doing the right things, which means like getting paid for our services, getting paid for our DUR interventions, getting paid for checking doses, getting paid for consulting with physicians, getting paid for counseling the patients on how to properly take the medicines. If we were paid for those things, that's what we would focus on. But right. the problem is, in our business, in our industry, that's not how things are. Well, that's what Freedom Pharmacy is trying to rectify. Yeah, you know? it's, it's um, not even getting paid for adherence based off pickup. It's getting paid for adherence based off, are their blood pressure at goals? Like, you know, like, does that matter more than just did they get their refills on time type of thing? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. And I, I really think it's kind of like, like hearing you talk about it and hearing Kyle talk about it on a previous episode, but especially with you too, it's almost like if you looked at muddy water and you put that one drop of that magic substance in and then it like poof becomes clear. Like that's kind of like what I think this is to a lot of people who have had these issues and are getting their prescriptions as they're like, okay, so, so that makes sense. Like I get that. Like there's a fee, but there's a reason there's a fee as opposed to I got a copay now that's $450 and I don't know why, but the price is a thousand. So it kicked in, but then how much is it actually worth? It's these little pills in a bottle and you threw it in there in 30 seconds. Like, you know, it's, it's just open and honest with it as opposed to, you know, just this completely opaque system that no one seems to understand at any level of it. Right. And prescription drugs for the most part are relatively inexpensive. Yeah. Why are we even fooling around with billing anyone for, you know, a $15 prescription for life-saving medication. I mean, what are we doing? Like the insurance would just cover it and be like, here you go. Like you need this. Like that's not a question. And I think that that's a paradigm shift that the patient has realized over the course of the last few years that, you know what, do we, do we really, I, I mean, people now expect to pay something when they come to the pharmacy, at least most people in Pickerington do, you know, we're a pretty low Medicaid population in this area. And I don't, by the way, I don't think this business model works well in very underserved areas where they're high Medicaid areas. Pickerington is a pretty well-to-do suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, we're about 7% Medicaid over at Pickerington Pharmacy. So I don't know that this works well in an area where you're 60 or 70% Medicaid, but I think that if you select the right place to put up Freedom Pharmacy, I think it could really thrive because we can save people a ton of money and we can have much better outcomes. And that's really what, what the goal is. Well, and if anything, the the pricing situation that free uh, or the pricing model that Freedom uses could be a really good way to base off of maybe a Medicaid or Medicare population, and then just save an astronomical amount of money because it's not going to people in the middle. So, I mean, that's its own statement that you maybe a farmers like that could work if the other players got involved with that, such as the state or federal government, if that is kind of like the way that you think it's appropriate. So, I think that it's actually a good model still it just might be tweaked on who's paying that price if you will sure i mean there's two rules i have really at freedom pharmacy number one is nobody owes me a dime 
once the prescription's gone. And number two, there are no discounts. I don't care if you work for a company that has three employees or three million employees. You pay the same price. Yeah. Which I think is fair. I I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why, but I don't think it's fair that just because you happen to work for a giant corporation or a government entity that has thousands and thousands of people covered under that, you know, why are we expected to give discounts to that based on access? I mean, I look at freedom pharmacy as being the the pharmacy for the rest of us, so to speak. We're not the privileged. um, We're not the very underprivileged. We are the working American people and that's the pharmacy for them, right? Like it, it is the people that are really like putting the bill for the entire country. Yeah. Um, if you really look at it, like from a coverage standpoint. I think it's a good way of looking at it because, you know, we have these people who are literally the backbone of America and then are, can sometimes be the ones getting hosed at the smaller companies, not getting the rates that some of these other people do. So putting everyone on a level playing field definitely helps even that out and gives them a fair shot that, they might have at the, you know, say like the mom and pop mechanic store down the road as opposed to the, the bigger Midas down the road or something like that, you know, just because they, they do it all differently doesn't mean they shouldn't have fair and equitable access to the same stuff. And I think that's that's what makes it so noble and what, what's such a cool concept and why I really think it's worth having, you know, different owners on to kind of discuss this because they're doing different points to the same to the same topic. So one thing I want to do, though, before I let you go is there's two questions I kind of ask everyone who comes on the podcast and you having some experiences all over community or retail pharmacy, I think this could be a cool answer. If you could change one thing about pharmacy that isn't a law, just one thing about the profession, what would it be? So not a law. I would say that I want my sisters and brothers, my fellow pharmacists to learn more about the economics of pharmacy and understand that it affects their everyday lives in the pharmacy. So I would like them to become more educated and then educate the consumers more about the economics of pharmacy. Yeah, I think that's a great one because so many people who just, you know, they're there to do their job and they don't really care about it. But once you understand it and you start getting kind of fighting mad and you see some of these prices or some of the games that are played with it, it is one of those things that kind of makes you be a better, more well-rounded pharmacist, in my opinion. So I think that's a great one. If you could change one law in pharmacy, or even make one law in pharmacy, federal or state, what would it be and why? So I don't know that there needs to be any new laws, but I think... Okay, first of all, I love sports, okay? (laughs) So let's shift to a sports analogy here. Let's say I want to start a a league in any sport, and I'm going to be the commissioner of that sport. And then I'm also going to be the referee of that sport. And then I'm also going to be a player (laughs) in that sport. So if you have a situation where the commissioner and the referee and the player are all the same entity... Do you think that that's going to end up being a fair situation for the other players in the league? Of course it's not. Yeah. So why do we let that happen in today's pharmacy industry? Why are we allowing a company to be the rule maker, the rule enforcer, and the player in the industry? So I think if we just start enforcing our already on the book antitrust laws, I think that would go a long way in solving a lot of our problems. I don't understand how we can allow that vertical integration to happen in healthcare. I don't think I don't think the payer or, you know, the commissioner, so to speak, should ever be 
the the person that enforces the rules and also a person that's allowed to play in the game how is that inherently fair so i don't know that i we necessarily need a new law but i think if we started to enforce the fact that first of all our lawmakers need to understand that we have a vertical monopoly in our industry and it is leading to unfair business practices which is hurting our profession so if there's one thing i could change it would be that that we stop allowing that situation which i think would lead to much better pharmacy less expensive pharmacy and much better outcomes for the patient you know with that analogy and being at sports i the only thing i could think of was vince mcmahon in the wwe where he's <laughs> he's the owner then he, all of a sudden like maybe he can control the ref because he's paying him and then maybe he's in the fight and all of a sudden the 75 year old guy is taking out andre the giant or something like that <laughs> and but you know with the, the whole time he's just making money and winning the whole thing it's just all for show and that's almost like the kind of what you're alluding to if you will to put that in a sense that maybe someone can grasp a little differently but uh but yeah no i think that's a, a great call out and i think that there's a lot of pharmacists that would like to see the antitrust laws enforced so that we can take back our profession as we should because i think at heart yes okay so there's some bad actors and there's some pharmacists who might be a little overly greedy but generally speaking we want to do the right thing because that's what the hell we went to school for like no one went to pharmacy school and be like i'm going to be a billionaire like you said like they went there because they're like okay i'm going to get paid but i want to be able to help people like th- there's always that part's a mainstay and what makes you happy so I think that that's a uh, a great one to suggest to people. So, anything else you want to say, listeners, before you uh, before we take off here, Nate? Hey, I just want to salute you, Eric, um, for what you do. I think it's so important. You're super talented at this. I've listened to a lot of them, a lot of your podcasts that pertain to community pharmacy, and it's very good work. I want to thank you and people like you who are giving us a voice. Um, super important. To, to anybody that listens to this, uh, feel free to give me a call. Stop by the pharmacy anytime you want. I love sharing what we're doing. I think it's the future of independent pharmacy. Uh, that's the way I give back to my profession. I'm not, I'm not looking to franchise this or make this any kind of like big deal of any. I want it to become the norm across the country so we can we can take back our profession yeah the power of it's in the idea not in the dollar signs behind it you got it yeah yeah hey thanks for the praise uh listeners i did not pay him to say that (laughs) um but uh if you also want to kind of follow some business of pharmacy stuff the business of pharmacy podcast by mike kelzer he puts together an awesome one he does a little longer episodes but uh He's hit all sorts of avenues of pharmacy that Nate has even alluded to on here. So, again, that's a podcast for so – if you've listened to this, you're at this point, 30-some minutes in, you'll probably want to listen to his podcast too. So just throwing him a shameless plug there because he does awesome work. So, hey, Nate, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for what you do, and thanks for sharing the awesome message. Hey, thanks, Eric. Appreciate you having me. And, listeners, uh, links to all this will be in the show notes. So if you need to find anything or read some more awesome quotes by Nate uh, in some of these different uh, articles he's been published in. But, as always, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.